Chapter 12 of Money to Burn by Reginald Wright Kaufman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 12 Followed. Luis! The Indian lay still in a huddled heap, but his breathing was now steady. In answer to Dan's cry, his eyelids fluttered. He tried to smile, failed, lay silent. There was an ugly gash, not dangerously deep, just above his right temple. Dan's swiftly questing fingers revealed no broken bone. He saw that a drawer of the buffet stood open. It contained fine table linens. Heedless of consequences, he tore several of the napkins into bandages, cleaned the wound with water from a carafe, and bound up the sufferer's head. Evidently a man of iron, this tall, broken-nosed Garib. In an hour, perhaps, he would be about again, yet some rest he must have. Dan thought first of taking him to his own room, then recalled that, next to Tucker, was a small and apparently empty bedchamber to which he had himself hoped to be assigned. Well, he smiled sternly, it would be more convenient to have his patients close together. Fernando's precautions had, at first, muddled his sense of the plan of the house, but he knew a road well enough now, however circuitous it might be. The moment Luis showed definite signs of returning to consciousness, Dan put one of the Indian's arms about his neck, supported him by the waist, and half led, half carried him to the chosen room at the top of the palacio. They passed no one. Tucker's door was closed. In the neighboring bedchamber stood a bed bearing an uncovered mattress. On this, Dan, with practical skill, made Luis as comfortable as possible. Having fastened the door softly against any eavesdropper, he returned to the wounded man, who lay now with his eyes open and intelligent. Many, many thanks, murmured the Indian, and Dan for the first time noticed that, in spite of its broken nose, the face was pleasant, even fine of its sort. Oh, there's nothing to thank me for, he said in Spanish. There is something else far more consequence. What I want you to do is tell me honestly what is wrong about this hacienda. The islander started. He rolled terrified eyes and crossed himself. The senor medico speaks Spanish. Yes, said Dan, and added, but for heaven's sake, don't tell that. If I do, Luis simply answered, they will kill you. They do not dream that you understand Spanish. I'm by no means sure they won't kill me anyhow, my friend, but before they do it, I don't want to die of curiosity. Come, let me know what's going on here. Luis shook his bandaged head. I have no idea. You must have. Look here, you can't like this master of yours or that infernal Fernando either. I know you hate them both. Speak up. The Carib could only stupidly repeat that he had no idea. His protest was so solemn, he swore by all the saints, that Dan had at last to believe him. Well then, said the American, taking another tack, help me get that wretched fellow Tucker safely out of this hole anyhow. Luis clasped his thin hands in distress. He looked toward the closed door with a fright that was all but palpable. No, no, they find out everything. Besides, he added, as if to justify himself, what is Signor Tucker to me? He is no such wonderful man, Signor Medico, and when the machinery stops, he calls out loud words that shake the earth, and he does not hesitate to shake any of us poor servants, too, who block his way. No, no, I cannot risk my life for him. Dan ran perturbed fingers through his upright hair. 
he could not guess how young his intense straight figure and anxious blue eyes looked how foolhardy his proposition of rescue sounded to his hearer who nevertheless wanted to oblige him if the cost were not too great all he thought was that there was need for haste and if he were to count on this man's help he must have the promise of it soon yet here he was forced to use up precious time in argument what if he has not always been kind dan pleaded would you have him die he is a human being so are we all the gaunt karib smiled grimly and made an impulsive sign of the cross as if to secure for himself a continuance of that state dan took a few turns of the room then stopping abruptly before luis he snapped out so you still love don ramon the copper face took on a deeper shade luis's teeth set he is very cruel to a faithful servant he will kill me one day but what can i do i am helpless still i am grateful to the senor medico for his kindness if i can safely show that i am grateful i will gladly do so and that hunchback you love him the swad then on the pillow writhed i hate him always he has the better place and all because he was born with a little more intelligence than poor luis but no more fidelity it is not my fault that i know no english that i cannot intrigue cleverly about the paper paper again dan thought that he had found a clue the what but on that topic luis would say no more i will aid you all i can senor medico but this indian can help very little he beat his thin chest he must keep his own life if that is possible dan pursued the paper theme in vain it became clear that luis either could not or would not enlighten him and his doctor's instinct told him that he must not be too insistent until the indian had rested a bit with a submissive sigh he at last put a hand on the carib's shoulder well then he said not unkindly we'll let that pass but there is another thing and i guess you can tell me this without risking your life in what room does the senorita lodge at once luis's whole manner changed he sat up in bed a mixture of eagerness and caution illuminated his face there was no look of the savage about him now he was the loyal if frightened slave the senor medico swears he means her no harm dan vowed that he did not what apartment is now hers said the indian in a tone that was lower than a whisper indeed i do not know of old when i was a servant to her esteemed father and her honorable mother honorable truly though own sister-in-law to don ramon then i was privileged but now i do not know what beyond my commanded duties goes on inside this palacio one of these hundred rooms she must have more than that i know not dan frowned you say that vieta was her mother's brother of a surety her mother's brother by marriage his first wife was my dead master's sister i gathered that from something he told me the other day what i don't understand is why he instead of the senorita is the owner of all this nor i i do not know who am i that i should understand the law i am only a christian but this and he looked hard into dan's eyes of this i am sure don ramon calls himself the proprietor of this hacienda and it is him we must obey but before god he has no right to these lands that is why the senorita gertrude ran away and why overtaking her he brought her back from san lorenzo 
in san domingo he may not marry the daughter of his wife's brother but if he keeps her hidden he may use perhaps he may at last acquire her lands the carib's eyes blazed he was after all a wounded man and he had told in broad strokes all he knew dan remembered his own profession and wondered if in any case luis might not yet ease the situation meanwhile however the fellow must certainly have some rest there there he said patting luis's shoulder i'll help her and i'll help you too try to sleep and forget your troubles for a little while when you wake up i'll have planned something then we'll talk just remember this he concluded if you were at all my friend don't speak to me when others can possibly listen don't even look at me as if there were any understanding between us and understanding spanish i'll know whatever you say to them before me his new patient lay in an agony of terror as the doctor left him dan was aware of that but he was aware also and with a sense of gratification that in spite of luis's fear of open alliance he had at last a friend in this house of mystery his spirits rising he went toward the next room he wondered how tucker fared he pushed open the door softly so as not to waken the sick man should he sleep crouched on the floor near the bed his long arms folded across his flat chest the crooked-mouthed hunchback was rocking to and fro at sight of him now the american's patience came to an end you get out of here he ordered don ramon told you to keep away from this room go the hunchback continued to rock his lips twisted yet more stringently he looked up at dan with an impudent leer don ramon ride senor medico i am lord of this hacienda when he is absent i stay he began to hum softly the same tune his master had hummed in the cafe in that street of the pink turtle-doves and sanchez my mistress is a lady a lady his lady she smiles her lord not looking and throws a rose to me dan hesitated patience had snapped but fortunately his leash of caution had not yet broken should he use force his strong young hands tightened in his desire to do so he wanted to wring the dwarf's neck then he glanced toward tucker the new englander's tired eyes conveyed a plain plea against interference hot blood deluged dan's cheeks but he left the room with no further word pina's derisive laughter rang after his footsteps down the stairs he decided to walk about the estate and think things over he must bring some sort of order to his mind he must decide on some straight course of action stopping only for the pith helmet that don ramon had brought him at their point of departure he strode to the front door and was about to pass it when he paused at the sight of an armed peon around his waist was the domingan cattleman's machete-bearing lariat the sight called an instant halt to his thoughts the man was apparently on guard dan however was not long halted he descended the stone steps the guard made no attempt to hinder his movements but dan had gone a distance of perhaps only fifty yards into the patio toward the deserted graveyard when he realized that not many feet behind him the peon followed with a carelessness that was nevertheless deliberate enough he reversed his course this would never do he returned to the house within the palacio he made his way to another exit 
a second man similarly armed and lariated stood there expressionless unforbidding but obviously prepared to follow again the american retreated here was a situation that he had in no wise anticipated he remembered that he had determined to meet guile with guile very well he shaped his lips to a nonchalant whistle and stuck his hands into his trouser pockets quite as if he had noticed nothing extraordinary he walked from hall to empty room from room to empty corridor every window was shuttered and fastened he was unable to open one of them could these precautions have been taken only against the fierceness of the tropical sun his heart beat none too evenly what after all was to be done pina was doubtless still with tucker the armpeons under obvious orders from the master of the house were on watch but seemed to confine themselves to guarding the doors of exit he could hardly believe that this excessive precaution was directed only against himself was there not some danger from without he suddenly wondered if the glib story of evading the customs were not largely a fiction on don ramon's part inaction became beyond endurance if he was not to explore the outside of the house he determined to explore its interior an inexplicable impulse sent him back to the table at which he had breakfasted sitting there for a moment he thought of don ramon's abrupt excursion of only an hour earlier and to make sure of its reality he felt in his pockets for the roll of ten bills given him then they crinkled at his touch oh they were there right enough ten one hundred dollar bills to the left up the stairs ten steps a door why vieta must have gone at least part of the way to the forbidden chapel perhaps the whole way forbidden only because it was crumbling dan must find the senorita gertruda but he must also discover don ramon's secret he would therefore try to repeat don ramon's walk he entered a narrower corridor than the main one to the right he found the staircase brief of worn stone curving still more to the right in the short hallway above he took ten steps approximating the length he thought vieta's legs would consume in a stride at the tenth pace he found himself opposite a narrow oak door pointed at the top for an instant he stood still and surveyed the position a pace farther along on the other side of the little passageway was a second door he might not have measured the steps correctly he was still hesitating when the faintest glimmer from that second door made his glance fasten there he wondered if it were hallucination or if it actually did move ever so slightly and flash a thin streak of light along its opening if so it moved back into place before he could blink nevertheless his heart throbbed and he had to force his mind to sane reasoning the eyes of this dreadful house seemed everywhere watching him it must sometimes be his own imagination he told himself he meant to go on in any case with the master away and pina in the distant sick chamber here seemed his sole chance to discover whatever was to be discovered first he would open the pointed oak door he tried the handle and pushed gently the door creaked inward and he followed it through closing it after him he went along the inner corridor on which it opened he realized that he must be heading straight toward the ruined chapel 
and yet the chapel was level with the ground whereas this was an upstairs corridor he almost ran into a second portal very ancient very small the top fastened into an equilaterally pointed architrave of stone gray from centuries of erosion it was locked dan knew what it was that knowledge of ecclesiastical archaeology against which the pennsylvania dutch lawyer of his home town had inferentially warned him it was at last of real use this door would lead to a compartment or gallery overlooking the chancel of the ruined chapel medieval noblemen in europe had built their castles in just such a manner so that they and their families could unseen by the more matutinal and soberly garbed serfs attend early mass in their dressing gowns quite apart from his desire to solve the mystery of the hacienda there arose now with revived insistence dan's interest in a glimpse of the architectural beauties that he knew existed in whatever ruin beyond that barrier the lock was old but too firm to be shaken loose nevertheless it was not rusted from disusage the american grasped the door by its protruding hinges and lifted it with all his strength he was thinking fast but his mind no longer concerned itself with suspicions of the second door in the outer corridor during the night when he had heard the metallic rhythm of machinery it had come from this direction he pushed upward with rigid muscles the hinges were stiff fruitless though the immense effort promised to be he strained on and up there came at last a quiver the door yielded he let it swing creakingly wide his architectural knowledge had stood him in good stead he stepped upon a stone balcony just such as he had imagined and looked down at the very picture that his fancy had drawn the place no longer bore much of the air of a sanctuary weeds had invaded it from between the tiles of the floor purple wild flowers edged their way the font was broken halfway up the apse an unusually large and very rickety confessional box leaned crazily sunlight made crooked dusty streaks through a small but partly broken rose window opposite the high altar which itself was bare and deserted but what regardless of all his architectural interest caught and held dan's gaze was a two-peaked hulk of steel that towered in the aisle and seemed in spite of the general desertion and decay a living sacrilege on what was once a piece of holy ground he bent far over the stone rail to look at it before he could examine it he drew up short he was sure that he had heard a call muffled by distance but nevertheless a call it did not sound like a cry for help rather it reminded him of the senorita's scream of warning when in his hammock in the jungle the great snake was about to strangle him could this now be she he had caught the phrase look out in that he felt he must be mistaken surely no one at present in the palacio except pina and the sick man could speak english and pina would be slow to give dan a warning the american glanced behind him nothing he listened intently no further sound again he bent over the rail here assuredly was the machinery that he had heard at work and here he now knew was that which had taken vieta from the breakfast-room don ramon had given the impression of seeking money for stone's fee in reality the planter had had that with him from the first 
he left his guest dan saw it as with eyes of a seer to satisfy himself before quitting the hacienda that all was well with this desecrator of a chapel so much revelation vouchsafed no more desecrator there were two instruments as stone looked they became less indistinct but no less mysterious well-oiled they seemed and perfectly conditioned what were they that they should so obsess the eta dan was nothing of a mechanic he did not know the nature of the hulking things but he was looking at those shining objects trying to elucidate their meaning when something hissed beside him a rope a lariat it just missed him he wheeled in the corridor beyond the little door that dan had lifted from its hinges in the act of loosening his hold of the failed lasso stood that first armed peon who had followed dan from the palacio's front door into the open End of chapter 12